Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Swiss Army Man, a movie that was uh, recommended to us by Mitchell Roberts, and you can find him on Twitter, at MitchellWR. Uh, thanks for requesting this movie, Mitchell. Yes, this is a psychological drama directed by Dan Scheinert and Dan Kwan. Starring Paulo Dan and Dan Radcliffe. I watched this movie on Amazon Prime Video. And I also watched it on Amazon. All right, Joey, go ahead and hit us with the synopsis. Okay. A man projects his deep psychological insecurities onto a corpse that appears on the island he is stranded on. Using the dead body as a conduit, he begins to confront his most deeply held beliefs about the world, society, and himself. In the end, accepting his inherent weirdness as his only truest self, and finally standing up for his right to believe in love. Succinct, as always. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, uh, I think that really does put it into a bite-sized little piece of information. because It, it does. It's, uh... <laughs> so, let's, get, let's just get right into okay. it. Uh, go ahead, tell me what you liked about this movie. Give me your pros. I think uh, there's a lot of stuff to appreciate about this movie, especially the sound design and the score. It's really unique. Um, there's some really good use of montages and just unique sequences that really draws you in as an audience. Um, there's a really interesting use of props, the cool things that they build out of just kind of trash. Um, and there's actually some really interesting special effects. Like, I don't even know, how do they do that stuff where like the water was coming out of his mouth or how he stuck his hand down his throat? I mean, all that stuff is crazy. Um, yeah, I, ke I kept thinking, especially the water one, because it looks so nice. Yeah. And, and I think... That's that's something that really well works well in this movie is how uh, convincing all of the stuff that Daniel Radcliffe can do, or rather that Manny can do, looks because then you really believe it. Yeah, and, and piggybacking off of that, both of the actors are just incredible, especially Daniel Radcliffe, where he has to just be, be a corpse and he has to do all these weird contortions and stuff, but he can't like emote at all. He basically just moves his his mouth, um, and even before that, like he's he's barely moving at all. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And um, you still kind of get this anguish that he feels. You still kind of get the emotions that he goes through. You see all of the, you see a lot of humanity from him, despite him just kind of laying there and being still. It's a, it's an impressive performance. And Paul Dano also, I mean, he supports this movie um, more than Daniel Radcliffe does, and he does a great job as well. Yeah, I, I second all of that. They're both really talented, and you know, as for a movie that focuses on these characters so much, uh, there's never really a moment of weakness from either one of these no, guys. They kill it. Um, yeah, I really like how unique the premise is for this movie, and I feel like I always say that when I come across unique premises, but I think it's worth appreciating in I the agree. age of endless sequels. Uh, so, great original premise. I, I, I agree the, how... I love the music in this, uh, and it's, it's kind of meta throughout, because the, the music sometimes explicitly says what's going on, uh, but it's, it still has the 
ambiance of like the music you would expect to be playing in that scene. So it kind of gets the best of both worlds. It's funny, but it also effectively sets the mood. So I, I think that that's really well executed. Um, the really funny dialogue, uh, great explanations about life that are really uh, just stark and um, just said in a way that it's like they're exploring ideas that are really obvious or really common, but uh, they kind of sh- they shine a new light on them, which I think is good. Uh, I yeah, the special effects are fantastic. I think we kind of cover that, but I mean, remember when he karate chopped through that log? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That's that was so cool. You, like, and the sound design that goes with it, 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 you know, it reminds you of like those action figures that have like the karate chop, like Buzz Lightyear action kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just so satisfying, so cool to see, and uh, I like they do it so well with all these different abilities, uh, like even the <laughs> shaving with uh, Manny's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> was like i found that to be like kind of satisfying it's like wow he's really designed well yeah, it's, uh... it was really well shaven it was a really clean shave no stubble at all yeah so it was yeah that was i really appreciate that especially because it is this movie is the swiss army man felt like it was important for them to deliver on that kind of multi-purpose tool aspect of the character of manny and they do that well um and I like how this movie is not afraid to be weird. And obviously that's a huge theme in this movie is just exploring weirdness. And I think it's done to great effect. Uh, okay, moving forward onto our cons. Um, I, I'll go first on the cons. Uh, honestly, I, I really love this movie. <laughs> and, uh, but one of the things I would have liked to know is maybe to remove a little bit of the mystery behind Manny's existence. Um, you got, you, I think he goes, he comes and goes kind of unexplained and maybe that's on purpose, but, um, I mean, he had clearly someone designed him (laughs) or something. Uh, so I, I I kind of wish we knew more. Is he Swiss? Uh, so I don't know, but, (laughs) and, uh, also how Hank got on that Island to begin with, because he ran away, but what exactly does that mean? How do you end up on an Island by yourself like that? I feel like there's more to the story. Um, but overall, I think these are minor. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like there is a message that's kind of, you know, under the, under the surface in this movie, but I feel like it's pretty vague and kind of hard to, to get to, especially beneath the unrelenting weirdness of this movie. Like, to say this movie is weird is not a- enough. Like, the premise is weird. When, when, I, when I, I remember seeing trailers for it and being like, that's going to be really weird and I really want to see it. And it doesn't ever let that up. It, it just keeps going weirder and weirder and weirder. It never, like, you never lets you get used to it being weird. And I feel like that's almost this movie's detriment, even though that kind of is the point. I feel like the message that it's trying to give you is hidden beneath the constant, what? what? Just constantly, <laughs> like, I don't understand. The, um... The only thing I feel like I can take away from this movie is kind of this shallow message that I feel like um, I, I just simply don't agree with. Um, and it's not that interesting or new of a take. Um, and I feel like it gets to that point in a way that is so indirect, it doesn't have time or the ability to make it a nuanced point. And I, there's also like kind of what you're saying about it, like an explanation for Manny. Like, can we ever really say for certain what's happening in this movie? There's never a moment where you're just so like the the veil is re- is revealed, you know. There's never a moment where it's like, "Oh, now I understand what this is all a metaphor for." It's it's so it's so weird and it's so unrelenting in that weird that it's never clear like what 
we're supposed to believe is true. Yeah, like uh, especially at the beginning when you're you have no context yet, you're yeah. just trying to figure out what this world is. It is kind of uh, you, you, yeah, you never really find out exactly what is real or not. Like right. you could even say, I'm sure there's like a uh, theory. It's like, well, actually, the movie never happened. He's just hanging from the rope, and this is yeah, his yeah. Uh, and like hallucinations because yeah, yeah. he has no oxygen or something. What's you it, know, a current at Owl Creek. That's that famous story. You know that story. It's like a, maybe it's a short story, basically exactly what you're saying. This guy is hanged at the very beginning of the of the story, and then the the rope breaks, and then he goes on this fantastical journey, and then it turns out the end that he he was hallucinating in the last seconds of his life. Right, and, like he even says now that we're saying this out loud, he even says at the beginning uh, that his. Uh, are, are close to the beginning he's like this could all just be a hallucination because yeah. i'm like i'm and the rope does break even that's even more of I feel a parallel like it's, to yeah, that definitely a, a reference to that but i don't oh, know and he says his life he, he was like i expect my life to flash before my eyes maybe this is that maybe right? like it's it's so but they never really uh you know reference exactly. that again or say anything uh that kind of answers that question so i i definitely see that and um, yeah the, the one more thing is that mm-hmm. i didn't really like hank that much i i kind of Felt for him at the beginning, obviously. I felt bad that he was stranded and everything. But at the end, I feel like he never... Like, he's so afraid to enter society again, even though that's, like, what he's been striving for this whole time. I just... Uh, I don't know. I didn't... I didn't jive with that. I didn't... I didn't relate to him in that moment. And I feel like that was to his detriment as well. He, his, him as the audience surrogate, as the person you're supposed to insert into this movie, didn't... Didn't fly with me. So... Didn't, wasn't a fan of that either. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the cons. Let's get it. Let's move on into our overall section. Okay. And I'll get us started by saying that this movie is wild and creative and weird, <laughs> and I loved it all. It was a great. I, I from front to back, I was having a good time with this movie. I'm like, so glad it, that we did a movie like this because I feel like we've been doing a bunch of movies that are very traditional and very like easy to understand and very straightforward. I feel like Reign of Fire is almost a perfect example of this of something that's just like uh it's exactly what you says it is you know yes yes and, and i'm glad that we i was thinking like oh we should do a movie that's really out there and i'm glad we did this one because this is a very out there movie right it's open to interpretation right and that's what we're here to do we're going to talk about it. it's how we interpreted it um and okay so one of the things i i like about this movie is it starts off grim and hopeless uh which sets up the whimsy and the magic that we experience later so well it like contrasts this bleak world that we started out in uh especially with like the just the idea of being a castaway so desolate and lonely um and, and then bringing manny into the picture it's like oh you really appreciate having this kind of magical uh presence there um and it's also appropriate for the messages that this movie says about life in general, because it doesn't kind of it doesn't hide from the fact that like life is scary and and lonely and uh, it it's tough. So I think having it start off being so grim and sad is is appropriate. Uh, and yeah, like I said, it helps set up what we see in the future. Like Hank is this loser uh, who's been defeated by life. And not only is he a loser because he's in like a bad situation, bad things have happened to him. So by definition, he's a loser. He's also kind of a loser in the way that he thinks of himself. Like he has low self-esteem. Uh, like he feels like nobody loves him. Uh, he had a tough childhood with a dad who it sounds like has communication issues and a mother who has a, I guess, a weird sense of humor. Uh, but I don't really think that was really that much of a bad thing. The really bad thing about his mother is that she died when he was young, right? And I think that that affected him uh, as well. And 
Manny, like we said in our synopsis, Manny uh, gives Hank an opportunity to explain life to someone and really explain it back to himself, but see it through this new lens. Yeah. Uh, and that lens is is Manny's innocence. Manny doesn't know anything. So by putting it all down, putting it out there, and and seeing his own what what he lays down is fact, but it's it's more his is more Hank's beliefs about life. Uh, it helps him to see it again from a new perspective, right. and helps Hank to spur change in himself and maybe to try to overcome or accept some of the more difficult things about himself uh which i think is really cool it's uh (laughs) and it's so much fun to see like all all throughout this movie manny is hilarious with his reactions to things uh like he's because he's he's not stupid uh he's just innocent he's just He's just naive, hasn't, yeah. Yeah, naive, yeah. He's exactly. He's naive, um, and his naivete comes across uh, so funny. Like one of the things that uh, that I thought, like sticking with the mother and father kind of aspect of this, when uh, Hank is telling Manny about his uh, masturbation uh, issue, and when he thinks about his mom, and they're telling, he's like, my mom made this joke where if I masturbated enough, I'd catch up to her and we'd die at the same time. We'd never have to be away from each other. He's like, I guess it was some sort of joke. And Manny's like, ha, ha, ha. He's like, oh, it's not funny though. Oh, like, it was so <laughs> like he's, he's getting it kind of like he understands what a joke is and you're supposed to laugh at it. But he, he hasn't made the connection where he actually gets it yet, yeah. which I think it was, was funny. And, and this movie's full of little quotes like that. Um, but getting to the main point of this movie, this movie is, has a fearless exploration of the weird. The first thing we see from Manny, like the first thing we see of him that's not just him being dead, is his ability to fart. And furthermore, his ability to propel himself with farts. And for some people, I'm sure that this was too weird or too stupid or too crass for them. And immediately they kind of classify this movie in their mind as like a stupid comedy, uh, somewhat on par with like uh, one of the scary movie movies, you know, like like parody movies or just uh, movies that are so ridiculous that that's the joke. It's like, whoa, I can't believe they put this in a movie. Oh, man, I'm just thinking of it now. Do you remember that movie? It was like. 39 stories or something it had like a bunch of different actors in it and each part oh, uh, of it was like a uh, movie 43 movie 43 yes Dude, i hate that movie so i much. hate that movie so much too and it's it's similar i would say in the uh in the concept at least where it's like okay no one can fart this much right and and movie 43 had stuff like that movie 43 is one of the few movies i didn't finish because it was so bad I, I turned it off so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I can't j- properly judge that movie, but it was so bad that I had to turn it off because I was like, I can't waste my time with this. Um, but this movie isn't like that. This movie does have like a w- ridiculous aspect. I guess rather, I don't think this movie is like that. Okay. I think that having Manny be introduced with farts, something that is, you know, so weird. So like definite textbook definition of weird uh, that it kind of it's like a litmus test and it's like this is how weird we're going to be and we're only going to get weirder here so like buckle up it would be inappropriate to introduce us to manny in any other way because if it was something that wasn't weird it wouldn't be accurate it starts off with that aspect of him and he does other stuff that's less weird i'm not saying it gets weirder in every way after that. i feel like it does get weirder in every way and i think it's interesting that they use farts to introduce him because mm-hmm. a, a dead body farting is like a thing that can actually happen yes not to the degree of which you can ride him as a jet ski but like it's almost it starts off in a place of reality it starts off in a place of believability and then it quickly 
escalates and then it just gets weirder and weirder from there. Right. And, and, but does it though? Cause at the beginning you see just like a juice box floating that says, help me, I think. Yeah. Um, and then you see more and more complex trash things until there's an actual trash boat floating away. And, and based on the, the fact that they never pull back the curtain and reveal what's actually going on, I think that's kind of a nod to, is any of this stuff actually happening at all? Like it, it I could understand writing help me on a juice box, but it, and I could even understand making a boat out of trash. But I think after looking at the rest of the movie, I'm like, hmm, maybe that trash boat is just like saying this is how whimsical it's going to get. It starts hmm. from that base of like a normal thing a castaway would do, right? Which is send messages for help out into the ocean. And eventually it's like, oh, look at this spectacular trash boat. Yeah, but I really like that. I really like the bare bones nature of that. They use those props because it seems like, like the trash seems believable yet magical. Yeah, but I never, I never really got that sense from Manny though. Kind, of, you know, like he was always kind. Of, he was more than just an exaggeration. And he was, he was like a a completely unique thing unto itself. You know, like the karate chopping stuff. That's not something a corpse does. The like water coming out of his stomach. That's not something a corpse does. Um, him being able to like shoot stuff out of his like stomach. That's also not like a very. That's not a corpse <laughs> thing at all. Right. Uh, so, I think I think there. I think you're right. I like that interpretation that there is there. There's a, a bit of whimsy even at the very beginning. Um, and but I don't think those are even on the same level because. Manny is just so, so weird throughout this whole movie. I'm going to say weird so many times. Oh, it's appropriate. appropriate. <laughs> it, it is. It is. He is so weird that he is beyond almost comprehension. And I, I often found myself when watching this movie being like, like, I wasn't prepared for how weird this is going to be. You know, like at the very <laughs> beginning when he starts farting, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, all right, this is a weird thing that he's doing. Maybe it will, maybe it will level off there, but it doesn't. It just keeps getting He's upping the ante. He keeps get, asking you to suspend your disbelief more and more and more and more. And I'm I'm okay with that, but it distracts from the message it's trying to it's trying to say. I think. I, I think it's part of the style. Like, uh, it's, I think the title sequence, the the part where you actually see the word Swiss Army Man, yeah, per- perfectly timed <laughs> because it took us from this very real reality of a castaway about to commit suicide uh, by kicking a cooler out from underneath him uh, to discovering this dead body to <laughs> the body farting and without giving you enough time to really even grasp that he's riding him and even like revving the engine almost with the way he like pulls back and he's like you know stands up tall on it and the and the music kind of swells and they put this swiss army man across the top and i think that that just kind of that image that that sequence is like embrace the weirdness you know that's the vehicle we're riding for this whole thing is like how weird that we can make these things and and i think that creates an atmosphere that allows us to explore weird topics like farts but also like masturbation and your relationship with your uh your parents and, and really the search for love which in its way like i know there's a lot of romantic movies a lot of people are comfortable talking about love but it is a, t- a weird topic you know to even tell people that you do appreciate like like talking to your father and telling him you love him you know it's like a, it's a it is weird so by putting us in this world where everything's outrageously weird you almost get brought back down to earth by these weird topics mm. uh that are not as weird by comparison it cre- creates this space where we can explore without uh 
those topics being like, okay, they're talking about masturbation. That's too weird for me now. I, I got to back out. You know, it's like, oh, well, masturbation is tame by comparison to starting a fire with your snapping flint and your fart, you know, like it's, uh, so yeah. I, I like it a lot. I That's, think they create, that I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. You know, I, I, I was very, he- I'm very hesitant to like this movie, um, because I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't go further than the surface than what you're saying right there. But you're mm-hmm. making a, lo- a, a very good point for the, I guess, the framing device that is trying to set up and like how you're trying to, trying to interpret this movie. But I feel like the message at the end is, is kind of muddled and doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't jive with me. And I feel like there's one quote in particular that like, puts me out of it. And that's when Manny says, if my best friend hides my farts from me, what else is he hiding from me? Like, okay, I understand the, the, what he's trying to say here. I understand that he's like, you can't be honest with me fully, so therefore I can't believe you. But I don't, think it's, I don't think that's how it works. It's not an all or nothing situation. They can still be good friends and not discuss every little piece of their life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, but I kind of see farts as like a, um, a stand-in for things that make you unique. Uh, it's just, you know, to be able to be social, I feel like Hank feels like he has to be normal, right? And that's restricting him as a person. And in the end, he's very unhappy because of this, right? He's afraid to show the girl on the bus that he love, like is in love with her, I guess, uh, because he's afraid of like the consequences of showing like who he is. And by, I know it's farting is a weird one to say, but remember Manny's very naive and and Mm -hmm. he is kind of equating farting with being yourself and and being honest. So I I think that, yes, it it is a crass thing, but that is the nature of weirdness, right? That this movie is kind of doing like some things are, I, I, I agree. You don't have to share everything. But from Manny's perspective, farts are just a normal thing that he, do, he does all the time in front of Hank. So for right. him, it's like, you're not being yourself in front of me. You're not showing me who you are truly. Um, so, and, and that's what I like about the... I, I, and I, I agree, maybe it's not something that everyone can see. But again, that's a nature of weirdness. Some things are too weird for some people. Right. But it's, I think that the, the, what they're trying to get across is that you should be more honest about people. Like, I mean, they, he explicitly says it towards the end of the movie, but wouldn't it be nice if we were less judgmental? You know, if somebody could just say, you know, we're just be honest about who they are and, and, and stop being, I'm, I'm getting muddled in the, what I'm saying here, but there's a really no, good quote we're going to go and, over. And, and yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit more later, but yes, it's, I understand. It's you're you're trying to, be, be more honest, be more truthful to yourself. I mean, this movie really is about self-love. It's about accepting yourself, just like you were saying earlier about him and uh, low self-esteem. But I don't think those, I don't think you need to go as far as, you know, showing you off your erection powers, I guess. Like, <laughs> I, you are changed my mind about this though, because I, because him using me- farts as a metaphor, saying that this is, a thing that's important to me that makes me special. Why aren't you showing me the things that make you special? Right. I don't know. There's, well, there's... Let, I'll give you an example. Okay. Because uh, it's also about the way that you 
interpret weirdness from others, right? It's 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 less about this because I think this movie is more about being comfortable with your own weirdness, uh, but it's also being comfortable with the reaction of others for your weirdness, yes. right? Like one of the things about like doing this podcast, right, is I don't publicly go around at work being like, hey, I do my podcast, you know, and like li- like because it's something that I'm not, I-, I wouldn't say that I'm not comfortable sharing it with people, but it's like a weird thing that I do that I potentially could be ridiculed for. If you, go on t- uh, Twitter for five <laughs> minutes uh, and you'll definitely see so. It's like, what do you call a, what do you, like, th- when people are talking about, uh, like, classifications for plural animals, like, you call that a flock of birds. Yeah. What do you call a group of white guys? A podcast, oh, right? Funny. And it's like, it's funny. It's like stereotypical uh, that, But it's know, also, it also, like, puts you down for your hobby. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, and that's like a uh, uniqueness, you know? I would say, right. and again, saying that I do a podcast is uniqueness is <laughs> embarrassing you know like it's it's not um and that's not what i'm trying to say but what I, but what i am trying to say is it wouldn't it be nice if we could all just be honest about who we are right and i think that it's kind of a beautiful idea and it doesn't have to be doing a podcast it can be anything you want right but it would be right. nice if we could all just be honest one of the things that uh, one of my coworkers has shared with me is he is like he loves doing um uh dragon ball z fighting tournaments right uh, and a lot of people think that that's really dorky and he doesn't really like publicize it to a lot of people. But I, I told him, I was like, dude, that's awesome. And now he tells me about it all the time. It's something he's really passionate about. And my, our, I would say that our connection has grown because he feels comfortable sharing something like that with me. And I think that's a net good. Uh, and I think that if he had been too afraid, it's too weird that he does that to share that with me, then we wouldn't be as close as we are now. Yeah, but like that environment of weirdness, like, do you think this movie is is blaming that on hank's perception or on the actual structures that are in place i think it's a little bit of both i don't think hank is totally unjustified for some of his beliefs you know like yeah specifically let's talk about the the bus scene right because one of the things i didn't think was super realistic about the bus scene was that hank was just too afraid uh to talk to this girl and all you had to do was like go up and say i I would say in in today's political climate it would be pretty tough to come across as anything but creepy if you sat next to a random girl on the bus uh to to talk to her right like i i mean that just seems like it's typical like man who is imposing himself on a woman right so i I don't know if that would that would hold up i feel like there's a lot of kind of self-delusion in this you know and it all kind of comes crashing back down when they first when they get back at the end, right? Yes. When they get when they get back and see that that little girl at the beginning, and she's or not at the beginning, but at the very end, and she sa- says like, "Oh, you know, Manny is gross" or something along those lines. Everything kind of comes crashing back down. All of the stuff that they had like learned about each other, or like that they come to accept about each other, suddenly became weird again and not acceptable again. Yes. And like even even like a small child understands those structures and contributes to those structures and you see hank contribute a lot to that too right he um he brings along these uh these things that are there to judge him right there's even in the middle of the woods he's still concerned about what he can talk about and what he can't talk about he's still concerned about the the way people see him he's still concerned about people hearing his farts even though he's by himself yeah brings along this structure to you know basically limit himself in the way that he can express himself and i think that's probably not good not at all but i don't know if that's the structure's fault or or hank's fault you know what i mean yeah 
Like, I mean, is, yeah. is it so ingrained in us that we can't help it to bring it along with us? Or is it Hank's own failure of imagination that leads him to believe that he has to follow these rules even when these rules don't matter? Well, yeah, I, and I think that bringing it back to civilization uh, definitely shatters kind of the um, worldview that we had built with Manny throughout this whole movie, really. Uh, because you do, I think it, I think there's definitely some truth in that though, or, or some utility. Uh, because while I am for this idea of expressing yourself and being weird and, and being honest, there's a limit to it, right? Like exactly. there, there are people whose weird beliefs or weird uniquenesses are bad. <laughs> uh, and we don't want that to happen, right? Like some people are into some stuff that is, detrimental to others or uh, you, you could get into any list of things and as a society we agree that some things shouldn't be um expressed but i think maybe just the strong push in the other direction to go over the top of this weirdness is maybe just like the pendulum swinging right and trying to pull us closer uh to weirdness without totally lifting us out of the reality of uh like living in a civilization where you do have to consider the thoughts of others right but yeah. maybe just to not let that control everything and hide everything yeah so that's the thing i think that's the exactly the takeaway that i'm trying to get from this movie and i feel like it it fails in that regard because it it's like an all or nothing type of situation and i don't know like obviously i don't think the people who made this movie really believe that it's like an that there shouldn't that there should like be no limit on weirdness i guess but yeah. that's kind of the message that's put across and it's because that there isn't enough space in this movie for them to have that kind of nuance but i also really like your metaphor of the pendulum because you're right like showing it and i guess it's kind of emblematic of the of the rest of the movie too like you were saying earlier about how they were showing the extreme weird in order for you to be more comfortable with the not so extreme weird this movie does the same thing by showing you something so weird so that you, maybe you maybe you swing a little bit further, but not quite all the way. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and I think I think it's uh, well executed, but I'm glad we can have this back and forth too, because I I'm starting to realize some of the holes uh, kind of in this thought process. Well, you but made I, me think. Of, yeah, I was totally like dead set, being like, oh no, like this movie doesn't make sense because of this, but you've changed my mind about the way it's way it's telling its story. It's a little bit, it is more metatextual than I, I want to give it credit for. So appreciate I think it's that. great. I was told by, uh, so Mitchell Roberts, uh, recommended this movie and yeah. I, I can't remember if he tweeted it or yeah, I'm pretty sure in one of his tweets, he just mentioned it's kind of weird. And my own brother also, when he found out we were doing this episode, he was really excited about it. And he told me like, Oh dude, it's a weird movie. <laughs> and they couldn't have been more accurate with that, <laughs> that description. Uh, because I just thought it was going to be weird in the sense where it's like different or maybe strange or something. But, uh, in the way that like, maybe, I don't know, like it, it, not in this way, this way is like, it's weird. And they turn it up to 11, uh, which is at the very at least you can say is something that's unique about this movie. It's like, oh, that's right. the weirdest movie I've ever seen. It's, it's weird. And it's, and it's warranted and it's weird, you know? Y yes. And like it, it reflects its own premise really well. I agree with that completely. Um, are we ready to talk about some Easter eggs? Yes, we are. All right, so um, the first one I want to share is uh, 
the meta music lyrics. And I actually don't know if I would have noticed this if I didn't have subtitles on because it, it is so one of my favorite things about this movie is the way they deal with the music. And uh, like we kind of talked about earlier, it, it, can, it has funny or like as literal or meta lyrics, but at the same time has uh, the sound that they're going for to set the tone uh, that some to accomplish what the uh, soundtrack is there to accomplish. So I, I want to listen to this really quick. Again, I don't know if I would have realized what these lyrics are uh, without having the subtitles on. So maybe someone who watched... I mean, did you watch the subtitles, Joey? I did. Uh, the first time... I saw this in uh, theaters, actually. And I remember picking up on a couple of the lyrics at this point and wondering if the rest of the movie had the same lyrics, but they don't. And it's just this one part, and it is glorious. It's like... It really makes you laugh. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's yeah, it, exactly. It made me laugh. And I, I thought without subtitles, it wouldn't be super clear. So I put in the Easter eggs uh, section. But really, I just want to point it out so we can appreciate it because I thought it was funny. Very. OK. And um, also, I just this is just a question. I don't actually have the answer to this Easter egg. But uh, do you remember at the end where the cameraman from the local TV channel feels like he recognizes Hank? Yeah. He's like, who? Yeah, but we, I don't, at least I didn't see a resolution to that. Do you have any idea why he was saying that? I have no idea. This is just another example to me of like, there's something going on in the background and it's not clear at all what's going on. You know? Like, I wonder if there's an answer though. I wonder if there is I mean, an explanation. I don't know. Like, the only thing I can think of is that Hank is actually stalking Sarah and was living in the woods behind her house. Yeah. And that's how they recognized him is that he's like <laughs> a known like creepy dude who lives in the woods maybe i um i did think it was surprising how quickly they got to all the things they constructed uh yeah right after i they think got. there's a I think again i think there's something to that but i don't really know what it is maybe because it's all in his head or maybe it's just a convenient way for them to show for him to show his weirdness and truly show that he's embracing his weirdness or maybe it's just like uh, there's this other thing that's going on in this movie that we, I, I want to talk about, which is um, how he's, he's lost emotionally, which is how he becomes lost physically, right? He says he runs away. He says he's trying to escape from his life, I guess. And then he, then in order to be found physically, he must, be f he must find himself emotionally. That sounds like the tagline for a much worse movie, <laughs> to find himself physically. He must find himself. That's how uh, Lost was pitched, I'm pretty sure. That's how what was pitched? Lost. A bunch uh -oh. of people who are lost emotionally become lost physically and then must find themselves emotionally in order to find themselves physically. Boo! I love Lost, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's, no, I'm not booing Lost. I'm booing that tagline. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's something there, too. Like he's, If he was really so close to civilization but couldn't recognize it, because he was so lost emotionally. Hmm. Right? Yeah. 
I think it's interesting. I, IDK. But I wish there was, again, this is, I guess, kind of goes with my con with like, wh- what, where did the Swiss Army man come from? It's like, what's really going on here? It would have been nice to know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm, after this, I'm definitely going to go on Reddit and see if somebody explains it. Like, this is why, you know, this is my theory or whatever. I love Reddit conspiracies. Yes. Uh, uh, my uh, only Easter egg is um, a casting decision. Uh, Shane Carruth um, was one of the, one of the coroners. Uh, he is the writer and director of the movie Primer and also Upstream Color, which are both very weird. Weird, I think Upstream Color is definitely weirder than this movie. Um, and it is, they're both really good. I really like him a lot. So it was cool seeing him in this other weird movie. That is cool. And uh, I always think about stuff like that when you're like not necessarily an actor, but your your role is so small. Like if I was a, a celebrity, I would definitely want to be in movies as like a minor role like ridiculous like like the coroner in this one where you have like two lines and you're not even in the spotlight at all it doesn't even count as a cameo really it's just like you're there you know you're kind of filling in this uh, an essential role and it comes as like a kind of surprise like hey he was in there i'll I'll bring it back to one of my favorite which i this is the last time i mentioned what if i was a celebrity which was when we watched lego batman and there's a part of the movie where batman is like listening to a rap song about himself and that's and it was like a lil dicky song that like right. lil dicky came in and wrote three sentences and put a beat to it and that was it and he's uncredited and i would love to do something like that i think that like, well, playing around in it what do you think about daniel radcliffe doing this movie He's definitely a kind of mainstream actor, isn't he? Harry Potter is like huge. It's a huge thing. Oh yeah. So like this is this is definitely not Harry Potter. <laughs> this is definitely not Harry <laughs> it's like Potter. The opposite of Harry Potter. <laughs> I I want to put a pin in that for now because okay. I have something about that later. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll take that opportunity to transition to our quotable moment, and I'll get us started off with this first one. So the reason I brought this one up, I actually don't think it's that important in retrospect, but initially when I heard this, I was like, oh, well, now I know this movie. Uh, he said, hello world, which is a subtle nod at the programmers in the audience, revealing that uh, Manny is actually an AI who is being taught everything about the world by Hank. And he's, being, he's programming this AI by teaching him all these lessons. And that's why uh, he starts off as like a, kind of a blank slate. And that's why he has these weird powers. He's not a human. He's a robot, uh, which what obviously... The, what is hello world? Hello World is a common first program okay. that pro, like programmers write. Like, like I know how to write in various computer languages, but it's very common to have to learn a new one to do something else. And a lot of times tutorials will start you off with the first lesson. And, th- and that lesson is generally t- like making the program say Hello World. Okay. It, it's a very common like tutorial one for programming and it's, it's also a common like first thing you ever do in programming no matter what language you're writing generally you'll start by making it tell like say to you hello world and so uh, that's your evidence that manny is some sort of programmable ai that uh hank stumbles upon yes and that was my i was like oh already solved the movie in the first 10 <laughs> minutes and that, this is a I sequel to ex machina <laughs> exactly yeah. i don't think that this actually becomes true at all uh but i thought it was an interesting i mean that was an interesting choice of wor- uh, words to say okay. hello world because he was already on the world, even if he was in a uh, like island by himself. 
Sure. Uh, so I was like, ooh, very intentional use of a very common first programming uh, sentence. <laughs> and but I it, but it's not, I guess. <laughs> okay. Mine is a uh, How do you get so far from home? I I ran away, but that's it doesn't matter. That's what's important is you remembering your life. Okay. What is life? Um this is the first time that Manny speaks well one of the first times he's speaking and Manny and uh no sorry one of the first times that, yeah Manny is speaking and Hank is explaining to him all the different things and he's he's saying that oh he wants him to remember his life and Manny says okay what is life he said and I feel like at this moment it becomes very clear to me what this movie is really about which is about um Hank having to decide what his worldview is and what's important to him he projects his own um worldview onto Manny and then Manny reflects that back to him and shows him just how obscure and, and absurd and silly it is and and uh Hank has to deal with that so I feel like this this one line kind of starts us on that journey and um does a good job yeah I agree with that in fact our next quote uh comes just shortly after that you are probably just looking for happiness that's what everyone does this is what you look like when you're happy you look for someone who will make you happy a friend a girlfriend or a dog good boy good boy sometimes you might be lucky enough to bump into the one person you want to spend the rest of your life with and that is love okay you want to go home so you can have love yeah but you ran away because nobody loves you that's not true. You're broken and empty and dirty and smelly and useless and old. You're like trash. Right? Shut up. I, this is such a hilarious line uh, in this movie because it, it, it's exactly what you said. It's Hank projecting his worldview onto Manny and Manny spitting it back at back to him. And yeah. you seeing how kind of ridiculous it is or just, uh, you know, being so naive and, and trying to understand it uh, is, is really funny. Yeah, and I think that this one especially is like Hank speaking to himself. It's like, why am I lost? What is life? Why am I lost right now? And it's because I'm broken, I'm empty, I'm useless, I'm dirty, I'm smelly. Um, and, uh, like, and then, of course, you know, uh, Hank rails against that. He's like, no, that's not true. I'm, I'm not those things. I don't believe those things about myself. But or or I think what he actually says is that uh, don't say those things. Don't say those things. Man, Manny is like, oh, I'm just saying what's in my head. And Hank is like, don't say that. That's bad speaking. Yeah. And uh, again, I think that just reveals more about Hank because it, uh, Manny isn't saying it with malice. Manny isn't saying it to hurt his feelings. Manny's saying it because he's gathered all the evidence that makes it logical for this to be the next thing for him to say. Exactly. Which I think is, yeah, I think that's indicative of who Hank is uh, in, a, in, a, in a big way. Okay, um, the next quote we've got is this one. You know, it used to be really hard to come by a magazine like that when I was a kid. I'd have to go digging under the bushes by the freeway and sneak into my dad's stash. Before the internet, every girl was a lot more special. So... I thought this was a bold statement, <laughs> which I, I just, I, I don't know if I agree or disagree, uh, but I, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's important that we talk about it. Okay. Yeah. I think there's an anti-tech message in this movie. Um, this is, this is one good 
example of it. Another one is the e-cards that um, his dad and Hank sent to each other. Yeah. Automated e-cards on, on their birthdays. birthdays. Yeah. And I think the message that they're trying to say is like, oh, technology is um, harmful to our relationships. It's not um, benefiting our relationships. It's making them easier to become more strained. You know, we have to put in less effort for less of a effect, but it's almost like a Band-Aid. Like the e-card thing is a perfect example of like a Band-Aid for a nasty wound. Instead of them actually fixing the problem, they find some technological automated solution that kind of uh, makes it seem like they care when really they know that neither of them really care. Instead of them putting in the work to remember their, each other's birthdays and actually saying happy birthday, they just find an easy way out. And they even, he even says that if I died out here, he would keep getting birthday cards for the rest of his life and he wouldn't even know I was gone. Yeah. The other thing is like his obsession with the phone, right? One of the first, when, when he gets the phone signal back, one of the first things he does is like check his pictures of Sarah, I guess go on her Instagram or something. I'm not really sure. It looks like, like a, yeah, a yeah. generic version of Instagram. But he doesn't like call for help or anything. He like immediately goes to this obsession over Sarah. He has, he has his picture of her on the phone and everything. He's like constantly looking at it. He gets Manny to be obsessed with her, which is, of course, Manny is a surrogate for Hank. So Hank, of course, is obsessed with, with Sarah. Yeah, having um, her as your phone background is definitely, that's weird. Right. And, <laughs> and the, I think the idea is that the technology aids that obsession in a way. Okay. Um, and then, of course, there's all this idea of like, like the trash that they find in the wilderness. And then there's the natural stuff that they build into the stuff, everything else. You know, it's showing how that's like a pure expression. Um, no technology is involved. It's all pure expression. Um, so, yeah, I think there is this anti-tech message in this movie. And I feel like that's not... I think it's lazy, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I think technology, especially modern technology, is a tool just like everything else. You can use it for good. You can use it for evil. You can use it to make things worse. You can use it to make things better. To simply say it is the thing that is making things worse is a, is a lazy excuse. It's not taking responsibility for your own use of that technology and instead projecting it onto the technology itself when, in fact, the technology itself is perfectly benign. Yeah, even what he's seeing on it is benign, right? It's just her and, uh, like, pictures of her, but also pictures of her boyfriend, which, uh, in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with that at all, right? Yeah. But it's kind of seen as uh, something Detrimental that and, like, and, and totally destroys Manny, right? Manny collapses after that. Yeah, which I think that that was also uh, just to see that in a movie, I think was interesting. Uh, this movie came out in 2016, so obviously pretty recent. Uh, but there I think it's common in a, like a movie to have somebody like fall in love with a girl and then see her with her man. And then that like breaks their heart. Uh, yeah. But this time uh, and I guess maybe this is a little bit more relatable because of my age. Right. Uh, but to, to fall in love with a girl and then to find out she's got a man through Instagram. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes. a very, I think it's a really relatable uh, version of like heartbreak. Uh, so I, I thought I, I identified with that, I guess, uh, from this movie. But I agree. I think that the anti-tech sentiment is poorly supported, um, which, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I'm I didn't even cover that. Me. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm trying to based on our last episode. I'm trying to avoid colloquialisms. I was about to say, you know, it is what it is. But you know what? That's, I'm not going to say that. I, I probably couldn't speak if it wasn't for colloquialism. So thank I think you, colloquialisms. It, that's probably true for a lot of people. But um, I'm being a little more conscious about it. Okay. Um, okay. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, my next one. 
Sometimes it's hard for people to show how they feel. That's retarded. Man, I don't use that word. When I get back home, I'm gonna show Sarah how much I care about her every single day. Whenever she wants, she's thirsty or whatever, she can drink my spit, and then she can ride my gas to wherever she wants to go. You can't use your gas in front of other people. What? Why not? Because it's weird. People don't like other people's farts. Is that why you don't fart in front of me? No. I just like to do it alone or hold it in. That's what you're supposed to do. That's so sad. That's so sad. So, again, I think we've kind of covered this, but this is emblematic of the whole theme of the movie, of that, like, you should be accepting of your weirdness. You should be um, not afraid to show your weirdness. And I think this, this uh, quote really kind of puts that into perspective. This is the, this is the moment it became uh, very clear to me in the movie. Um, I think it had been stated over and over, I think, in, in subtle ways, but this is the point where it became explicit for me, is that you're supposed to be, uh, you're supposed to be accepting of your weirdness and uh, let that uh, define you instead of trying to constantly be normal and fit in. Yeah. And I agree. And again, just to reiterate kind of what we said earlier, they use farts as a stand in for whatever it is that makes you unique that you're hiding, right? right? Or, or whatever an individual has that makes them weird, but unique. Um, so if Manny can be proud of his farts, you can be proud of something that's not as embarrassing. Sure. And, and again, his farts are spectacular. <laughs> Very. It's um, like it's it's magic the way he farts. So um, yeah. And I I do just I love playing with that idea of um like farts because there's such a idea that's immediately cast away as like crass and, and lowbrow, um, and and they're able to elevate it or they at least attempt to elevate it to the point where it's like a philosophical thing. And I think that that's not just bold, but also like fun and experimental yeah like, what if we can make you take these farts seriously uh which i i think is you know it's, they it's do unique. do that they definitely do put a lot of emphasis on the farts as as something to to take notice of and to and to deal with you know so that's cool but okay um next quote from the first day we met you've been pushing me and poking me making me spit making me cry how come i never get to see you do any of those because i'm scared okay because i'm just a scared ugly useless person but maybe everyone's a little bit ugly yeah, maybe we're all just ugly, dying sacks of shit. And maybe all it'll take is one person to just be okay with that, and then the whole world will be dancing and singing and farting, and everyone will feel a little bit less alone. This, I think, is the explicit, out loud, literally the character saying the, the, the lesson you're supposed to learn from this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the way he says it. Um, so I don't really think there's a whole lot to add to that because it's pretty on the nose. Uh, but I thought it was kind of a beautiful moment. I agree. And it's, it is it's a beautiful moment. It, it is, is earned. It is earned, and it's nice that we get this from Manny because after this, we don't really hear a lot from him. Uh, so I think that covers our quotes section. Joey, I think you know what time it is. It's time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper, deeper. Okay, so my biggest problem with this movie is the fact that it kind of 
it cuts down the systems. It says, oh, these structures that we bring with us in, in society, these things that support society, these ideas that, oh, you know, weirdness is bad, weirdness is weird, is a bad thing. Um, and I think, I think that I disagree with this. And for a long time, I, I wouldn't disagree with this. I felt like stuff like structures in society and the structures within society were all kind of these very fragile um, arbitrary lines that we somehow drew in the, in the sand and we really shouldn't put so much stock in them until I read this book, um, Yuval Noah Harari's book, um, Sapiens. In the book, he posits that the reason that Homo sapiens took over the earth, the reason we are so successful as a species is because we can have relationships with abstract ideas. We can have um, relationships with very abstract systems that have become immensely important and immensely powerful. The example he gives, which I really like, is humans uh, exist in two worlds. We exist in the world of uh, reality, which has lions and rivers and, and trees, and we also live in the world of the imagination. And it has come to the point where the structures that exist only in our imagination now determine whether there's going to be lions, rivers, or trees. Oh, so like saying, like the idea in that sense would be like conservation, right? It's like yes. uh, if so, we agree with the idea of conservation, then that'll keep the world, that'll affect the physical world in a major way. Exactly. And you see this everywhere. I mean, corporations are a great example of this kind of myth that we've created that we can now interact with thousands or millions of people um, indirectly through these things called corporations. Another great example is like, imagine like, a hundred thousand uh, chimpanzees in a skyscraper. It would just be chaos. It would just be mess constantly. It would be it would be so insane that you wouldn't know what to do. But yet, hundreds of thousands of of human beings can interact with each other in relative safety and in relative harmony, just because we are able to perceive patterns and work together in these like elaborate systems. And for that reason, like, I was always like, oh, you know, I was always that guy who's like, you know what money really is, man? Money is nothing. It's just the imagination in our head. It's just the idea that we can trade these little pieces of paper for things that matter. And if someone once decided that it doesn't matter anymore, then it all collapses around us. Yeah, we all just agree that it's worth a dollar. Yeah, you know? that's worth nothing. But this, this book convinced me that that's actually so much more powerful than we're giving it credit for. The, the, that, that stuff, the that idea that we can have relationships with things that don't really exist is exactly what makes us great and that exactly like what made us able to survive better than any other species in history. And so I have a newfound respect for systems and structures. And I think that this, I, this, this movie comes at this idea of saying, oh, there's all these things that are weird and abstract and, and doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, but those are the exact things that make us who we are. And I would like to uh, take a quote from you that you've introduced me to, trees for deforestation. Have you, you've definitely, you know what I'm talking about, right? Of course. These, so uh, people who are trees for deforestation, I don't think this is a perfect metaphor, but I think this is a good one and I like using it. The people like anti-vaxxers, people who are, the only reason they have an opinion is because, or have an opinion that can be shared is because there is a structure in place that allowed them to have that opinion. Women who hate feminism, I think, are trees for deforestation. There are people who, the only reason that they have a voice is because of the thing that they're protesting. 
people who are like anti-science. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to go on, I'm going to have a podcast about how science is awful and how we should really believe in creationism and stuff. It's like, or that, they, or that, that the, the science <laughs> the is irony? wrong and that the world yeah. is flat. Yeah. I don't you realize the irony of this. Exactly. <laughs> so I, the, the other uh, quote I want to bring up is from Douglas Adams. He had, and from his book, the restaurant at the end of the universe, which is the second book in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He says, uh, the story so far in the beginning, the universe was created. And this made a lot of people very angry and was widely regarded as a bad move. I think that this <laughs> is a great example of a, someone who's a tree for deforestation. Someone who is the only reason that they can have such a stupid opinion is because of the system that created them. Okay. And I think this movie falls in that category as, as well. It's saying, oh, we should accept the weird. We should make this weird. But the people that it's, it's targeted to are the people that like the weird stuff. The people that like the idea that this is not in the mainstream. If it becomes mainstream, it just stops being weird and it stops being interesting. Okay. <laughs> I know. I like that. No, I, I'm, I, uh, I think that although if weirdness per se became mainstream, I guess that would be contradictory to the definition of weird, but it, right. it, I would say that if this movie caused that, it wouldn't necessarily have failed. If anything, it would have accomplished its goal but i don't know if that's that's kind of a paradox right to say it's yeah. like because then it wouldn't be weird anymore yeah but i also want to give myself a little bit of nuance here and say that i do think there are some things that are uh, abstract and absurd and, and we should get rid of there are ancient structures that we still keep around that maybe we should think about getting rid of but i also feel like a lot of those structures in place such as rules about farting and things yeah are are good for the most part and we should be accepting of those systems um unless they are actively hurting people yes and i think part of this too maybe is less on a societal level and more on a personal relationship level right um like i'll be i'll be um clear about this so while we're talking about farts, my brother and I have been farting in, tr in front of each other for a very long time. That's like a very <laughs> normal thing for us to do and even like comment on each other's farts. Be like, dude, nice, you know, um, which I'm not saying that's unique. I'm sure plenty of people do that, but it is kind of weird, right? Um, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that in our interpersonal relationship between me and my brother. Um, so I think that it makes more of an argument for that, right? To become more comfortable and more honest with the people that you are comfortable with. Uh, I think yeah. it gets a little muddled when you try to bring that into society. Uh, but in general, I, I think that that idea can be applied pretty, pretty heavily on your own relationships individually. Yeah. And I came into this podcast a lot more hard stance on what I just said, but you've really changed my mind about how this movie perceives that and how it does that. So I I kind of give that all a grain of salt. Say, yeah. you know, he has a good point, actually. <laughs> well, I uh, I appreciate that. That's what we're here for, right? We're having this conversation. This <laughs> yeah. is the that's the definition of this affable chat. Um, but all right, I, I want to uh, keep moving forward here with my deeper okay. topic, and I want to talk about the Swiss Army Man himself, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. And let me be honest, I heard about this movie when it was coming out, 
I don't know if I saw a trailer or if someone just mentioned it to me, but I it was like Swiss Army Man. It's the movie where Daniel Radcliffe plays a dead guy, and I was like, oh, like what a pompous <laughs> ass this guy is, Daniel Radcliffe. He really? thinks he's so great because he was in the Harry Potter movies. He's set for the rest of his life. He doesn't have to work another day in his life. If he doesn't want to. That's so true. What does he do? He goes and stars in a movie where he plays a dead guy the whole time, a la Weekend at Bernie's. So he thinks he's so great that he can just flop around on stage and do no acting he just he is mm. dead the whole time and we're supposed to buy tickets and, and sit and watch that i i think not i think <laughs> i think i respect myself a little bit more than that than to buy tickets to see dead daniel radcliffe he's not if he's not even gonna act in front of us um that was obviously wrong that opinion i had <laughs> but i think i think i uh by going into this movie with that opinion uh i was very very uh Pleasantly surprised by okay. what we actually got from Daniel Radcliffe. He wasn't being a pompous ass and like doing this role that only he could do because, oh, it's Daniel Radcliffe. We'll show up to see it because he's Harry Potter. Instead, he humbles himself to become this ridiculous and weird thing uh, that even I, I think maybe his his spectacular celebrity almost acts as a shield as it's like. It doesn't matter how weird I am. I'm Daniel Radcliffe. I'm Harry Potter. You can't you can't touch me, right? Yeah. So it kind of enables him to take on this role. Um, but I, I think that what I'm what I'm really taking away from is that he humbled himself to play this role where he is less than a person for most of it, and he and he has to do all this ridiculous stuff. And with the uh, he executed it so well, I, I can't do anything but like applaud the performance. Uh, but specifically on how they treat this dead body, right? Because uh, the, I think that the pacing for Manny is done pretty well. He starts off so dead that you think that he might just be a dead guy. It almost confirmed my beliefs that he was just gonna be a dead guy the whole movie. Dead I, confirmed? Yeah, dead confirmed when he washed up on the beach. And then um, even when he farts and uh, Hank goes back to getting ready to kill himself because he's like, oh, he's not alive. He's just farting because um, dead people fart. And I, I was like, you know, I was convinced that he was going to be dead the whole time. And then he farts, and I was like, oh, great. This is even worse than I thought. Daniel Radcliffe's not just dead. He's the magical dead corpse that can fart a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's why people say this movie is weird. But then they add, you know, they slowly add little things onto it. You know, now he can talk. Uh, now he's starting to understand reality. Now he can shave your beard, and he can karate chop this log. And they add and add and add until they flip the switch, or and flip the script, rather, and now... Now, Hank is being carried by Manny, which was the other way around for most of the movie, um, until they finally return to civilization, where Manny is at his fullest, where Manny is his most alive, uh, right before he goes back to being dead. And and then, I think that's the end of, like, where I think it's super satisfying, Um, like, this kind of arc that they've created for the Swiss Army Man, such a unique role. Uh, And... They, they kind of bring him after that. I think it's uh, it's I'm not as confident on the execution with him being a dead body again and then him farting off into the horizon. It's like. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm supposed to gather from that. Um, I think it's good that he wasn't just a dead body that they kind of prove. It's like something happened here, even if all that proves is that this is all totally not reality. Um, but. I'm glad it wasn't just like, oh, he was just a dead corpse the whole time. Um, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting muddled in my message I don't, here. I, yeah, I don't really know what to take away from it either. Uh, the only thing that I, and this is not my own opinion. I, I got this from reading a review. There was a couple of really good reviews of this movie, one from Roger Ebert and one from Stream Prism, uh, which we'll have uh, links to. But they said 
they pointed out this thing that I didn't notice, which was Manny farts. No, uh, Hank farts in front of Manny at the very end. And that's what triggers Manny's resurrection. And it allows him to fart into the distance. Um, he finally like fully lets go, right? He shows everyone the stuff that he built. He shows that he's in love with Manny. And then he, sh- and then he shows Manny his farts in front of the whole, all these people. He's not ashamed anymore. Therefore, uh, Manny can reveal his true self, I, I suppose, as Hank's surrogate. Yeah, I, I like that. And, um, and I guess it does make sense that Manny would shoot himself off into the distance because the closer they got to civilization, the more Manny seemed to not want to be there. Yeah. Uh, he kept, he's like, why are we going this? He doesn't, he doesn't belong there. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like they said he was probably a bridge jumper, right? So he had left society too. He, he gave up too. Right. So anyways, just to, to put a to lid on my, uh, my little spiel here about Daniel Radcliffe's character, I, I think they, it, was a trans, it was a tremendously satisfying execution of the concept that I heard people d- use to describe this movie. It was two things. It was weird, which we've discussed in depth, but also that it was about Daniel Radcliffe playing a corpse. And I think that they executed that uh, very well. So what do you think about like famous actors like would you consider him like an a-list actor everyone knows who yeah Daniel oh is. easily yeah what do you think about him doing something like this it's it's, a, it's smaller that's like not as mainstream you know weird yeah 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 i think daniel radcliffe is like at a level above a-listers if you can even be that right like he is so synonymous with this mega popular mega successful series that uh, like I said, he could he could do nothing for the rest of his life if he wanted to. He would still be easily remembered. Um, so I think that that allows you to do two things. You can either double down on that and be in every movie, be like Dwayne Johnson or or some of these other or uh, what's her name? Um, oh, Hermione, Her- Hermione, Hermione, Hermione. Um, <laughs> Emily, Wa- uh, what's Emma, Watson. Emma Watson? Yeah, I don't. Okay, definitely knew her name. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, it, right, right, right. She's like in Beauty and the Beast and, and, you know, all these things. Or you can take advantage of the situation you're in. And Daniel Radcliffe is somebody who I understand to be a not only a good actor, but someone who really enjoys his craft. Like he did. The, yeah. other, the other one that I haven't seen that I've heard of with Daniel Radcliffe is he did Broadway fully nude. Like he yes. Did a, he, did a, he also did that movie uh, Horns, where he like had horns on his head. Remember that movie? I I don't remember that movie, but I, it doesn't surprise me that that's how you would describe it. It's the one where he's got <laughs> horns, right? There's like a thing yeah, about he's it. He's got horns on his head. But I think that it's something he's allowed to do. He he, it's like low risk for him. He can uh, instead of focusing on his career because it's already so well established, he can now do roles that interest him, even if they're outside of the the mainstream, uh, which I I respect him for a lot, uh, especially after seeing this movie. I'm like. Yeah, this is kind of a risk. He's the farting yeah. guy. That's that's really <laughs> bringing yourself. Corpse. Yeah, it's like bringing yourself down a lot. But it, it, he doesn't. It, it, from what I can see, it's not necessarily that important for Daniel to be uh, just the A list star who's in the the blockbuster film. Uh, it, he sees this his you know his eternal star kind of as an opportunity to explore acting however he wants. And yeah. uh, I think this is a good example of that. I yeah, I agree with that. I also feel like he has to. Like he has to do stuff like this in order to fully break the idea that he was only ever Harry Potter, you know? Yes. Like, like Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill, like struggled to get work for such a long time. He only got like voice acting work because he, he's Luke. Yeah. He's always going to be Luke Skywalker and and no one could ever see him as anything else, which is such a shame, you know, because he's, he's good. 
And, and so Daniel Radcliffe, I feel like even when I was a young kid, they made a, an effort to like uh, use Mark Hamill as like a cautionary tale, you know, like you need to branch off into other things. You need to do weird things if you want to, you know, continue acting and, and be successful and continue doing this thing that you like. And I think this movie is a great example because it's something that's definitely weird and definitely kind of, like you said, humiliating in a way, humbling, but it still requires a lot of really, really precise and like deft acting, you know, keeping your face still, like not emoting and only moving your mouth is so hard to do, especially for like, if you're sitting there out there for hours and hours and you know, days and days, you just can't even, you can't move. You're like trapped and you have to pretend you're trapped inside your own head. And you have to like fall like a rag doll and stuff. All that stuff is is hard. And um, you have to allow cool to people him. to touch your face, and you can't like blink yeah. or or flinch or anything. Like he was just yeah. malleable. Which yeah, I, I think that this adds something to his repertoire, right? You can say not only was he Harry Potter, but he was also a skilled actor. Here's some yes. evidence of that. Definitely. So yeah, I, I I think I like that a lot. And from my origin of my opinion of this movie of Daniel Radcliffe. Like Daniel Radcliffe's like pompous ass tour uh, to what it actually is, which is a really unique and uh, skilled role by uh, Daniel Radcliffe. So shout outs, Harrison Potter. I'm a big fan, <laughs> big, bigger fan of him now uh, after all that. So uh, a new segment we're going to put in here is uh, recommendations, like who we would recommend this movie to. And um, I would recommend this movie to social optimists. And I don't know if that's a real term. I don't know if I'm using that that's correctly. Really, that's, really help- <laughs> that's really wholesome. <laughs> but that's what I think I'm a social optimist, somebody who wants to see the good in other people and accept the best qualities of people and, and encourage them to be honest about who they are and, and to keep being that. Uh, and if you know somebody who's like that, I think that they would really uh, identify with the message in this movie and enjoy it a lot. Do you f- do you feel like this movie like really spoke to you in that regard, that oh, aspect of your personality? Big time, big time. I, I I think this movie was spot on for me. I, uh, <laughs> I, I I that's great. Yeah, so I I would recommend it to people who are like me, I guess. Okay, I would recommend it to someone who wants something different, something weird, something hopeful, and something to brag about to your hipster friends. That's for sure. You do get like hipster points for um, for <laughs> watching this movie. For watching this movie. When I sat down to watch this movie, I was like alone in my living room, and by the time it was over, I was wearing an unbuttoned flannel and glasses without prescription lenses. Like I just inexplicably. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's definitely. I, we haven't harped on that yet, but it's definitely a hipster movie. Um, okay, I think that's uh, that kind of wraps it up for. Uh, Swiss Army Man. Joey, do you want to give it your rating? Yes, I do. I give this movie uh, 10%. Um, but the Bluetooth is still on and it's draining the battery fast. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Is that, was it still on the Bluetooth? It was. The <laughs> <laughs> a little symbol was up there. That's funny. Um, okay. I give this also turning a, a phone on and off takes power too. like if I was isn't that, the, isn't that the biggest power drain like the on and off I don't know if it's the biggest but it's not minimal like I, the way he was using this I don't agree like I would have kept the phone off until I was certain I was in range of something like turning it on once you saw the road made sense before that I don't agree um, but yeah I, I like that a lot I like your rating my rating uh, I give this movie one huge fart one glorious hilarious and honest fart that i will not try to hide from anyone i will proudly claim this fart as mine nice so so that there it is 
the Swiss Army Man. And uh, thank you again to Mitchell Roberts for recommending this movie. I know you've waited a while, Mitchell. So here it is, finally, uh, our uh, our breakdown on it. So what's next, Joey? Next movie is The Crying Game. Yes, and this movie came recommended from my mom. So mom, if you're listening, hi mom. Hi hey, mom. And we'll be <laughs> um, we'll be doing that one next. So look forward to that. But uh, I think that wraps this one up. So for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at Affable Chat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.